All right, go ahead and grab a seat. My name is Caleb. If we haven't met before, I might look a little different in person than my apparently uh, drawing, uh, but it is great to be with you today. Hey, it's, it's traditional on Easter for someone to say he is risen and then everyone to respond, he is risen indeed. Uh, so I'm going to do that. We don't normally do a lot of traditional things as a church, but today is Easter, so we'll make an exception. So our, I hope you're ready. Here we go. So he is risen. He is risen so one more time. He is risen. Amen. Absolutely. That is why we are here today. And I'm going to pray for us and then we will jump into some time looking at what Jesus says, who he says that he is and why it is that we celebrate Easter. God, I I pray even right now that you would open our hearts to see you. You know every single person in this room. You know what we're going through. You know what we are going to go through and you know what we have been through in our life. And you want to speak to us. You know us, you desire good for us, and so I pray even now, open our hearts, open our eyes to hear your voice. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Easter is a day that we celebrate. You're here today. We're celebrating. We're having a big party. You're, we're, we're chanting, he is risen, he is risen indeed. I mean, it's a, it's a day that we celebrate, but, but why? Is it, isn't it just another day? Are you, are you off? Are you kind of crazy? Could you be doing something better than being here today? Is it, is it just a day? Is it just another Sunday? It's just the day after 420. It's just April 21st. It's nothing. Like, why are we here today? Are you wrong to celebrate? If you go to Westward, which is kind of a Denver magazine that tells you different things happening in the city, they, they had an article uh, at the beginning of the week saying, here's the best things to do this week. Uh, Can you, I don't know if my clicker's working, so can you move this forward? It said, here's the 21 best events in Denver this week, and and here is what they said to do today. Here's what the event was for today. It is, Vanna White, I need your help. There we go. Okay, so it says April 21st, it says that there is a movie playing called Night of the Lepus, which is about mutant bunnies that are threatening the fate of humanity. So this is the best thing to do today. Here is a poster, movie poster of that. Um, This is the German movie poster, so apparently it's an international phenomena. And if you think, man, I knew it. I knew I blew it. I made the wrong choice. I should be somewhere else. It actually starts at like 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock. So you still have time to make both today and and this. So don't, don't worry. But the reason I bring this up is because, is, are we wrong? Is today just a, a silly day to, to be here? Is it just a day that we should be watching mutant bunnies or, or staying at home, sleeping? Why is it that we celebrate on Easter? What is so special about Easter that you are here today? There's something in us that knows this. There's something in us, even if you don't normally come to church, even if you haven't been to church in a long time, even if church is something you did growing up as a kid, or maybe the last time you were at church was last Easter, or when someone got married, or when someone uh, something was kind of happening, someone got baptized and you were there, even if church is not a normal part of your life, there's something in us that is drawn on Easter. There's something in us that says there's something special about today, even if we don't know what it is, that's worth celebrating, that's worth being here, that's, that is worth commemorating. There's something in us that knows on Easter, I'm drawn. I should be here. And that's true. On Easter, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But what if, what if that specialness of Easter that drew you here today, what if that thing that maybe you don't even know what it is, that, but that pulls you here today, what if we could live in that? 
What if that didn't have to be a once a year thing? What if that didn't have to be a once a week thing on Sundays? What if it was something that we could live in, that we could actually experience all the time, all of our life? That is what Jesus says is available to us through Easter. That is why we celebrate on Easter, not just because it's a one day thing, but because something about what happened on Easter Sunday a couple thousand years ago allows life to be radically different. Jesus says he comes to bring a power that we could only imagine, something that we sense is available to us on Easter. So we're going to look at Jesus in his own words saying what it is that he came to do and how we can experience that. So we start with this from John 10. Jesus is talking to a group of people who are wondering, who are you? What's special about you? And here's what Jesus says. Jesus said again, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life in abundance. Now, what is it that Jesus says that he offers? What is it that Jesus says that he comes to bring? Here's Here's what this story is getting at. Here's what Jesus is teaching, that we are all looking and longing for something in our life. We are all looking and longing for more than what we have right now. We are all desiring, and and for all of us, it might be different things. You might be feeling, man, I want more significance in my life. I want to feel like life matters. I want to feel like I matter. I want to feel like I can make a contribution, that I can leave my mark. You might feel that. You might feel, man, is there something more in life with relationships? And is there something more in life when I want to experience a deeper comfort in life? I want to experience a deeper meaning or whatever it might be. We all say, I want more in life. And we're looking and longing for joy and fulfillment and contentment. But the reality is, what if you tried to experience that? What if you tried? We've tried all sorts of things. There's no shortage of books that tell you what to do, how to have your best life now, and what kind of hacks you can bring into your life. And there's no shortage of, there's no shortage of technology to connect us and, and to help us get a little more productive and, and put things on our wrists that count our steps and count our sleep. And I mean, there's no shortage of technology or, or books or science or whatever it might be to give us ultimate fulfillment in life. And yet, and yet what do we find? Are you happy? Are you at peace? Are you at rest? What's interesting is, though there's no shortage of any of these things in America, we're still not satisfied. In America, we still feel the pain of life not being what we want it to be. In fact, in America, a lot of, this is from Time Magazine, a lot of Americans are more anxious than they were last year, a new poll says. Maybe you say, oh, it's not just me. No, in fact, 40% of Americans are more anxious now than they were at this time last year. Maybe you feel that. Maybe say, I don't understand. I've, I've got all this stuff. I read the book. I followed the blog. I did the life hacks. I did 21 tricks that you didn't know that you were supposed to do from BuzzFeed. I did, I did all this stuff and I'm more anxious. And in fact, in America, more Americans are suffering from stress, anxiety, and depression study finds. And three in four Americans struggle with loneliness. And 
Though America is the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, Americans are desperate for happiness, and we are getting less and less happy. We long for life. We long for fulfillment. We long for joy. There is no shortage of tools and tricks to help us get it. No shortage of technology to connect us. But we're more lonely, more stressed, more anxious, less happy. This is what life is like. Aren't you happy that you came here today? (laughs) There's hope. You see, what life is like is that the world around us makes promises to us. It makes promises to us that if you have a little bit more of this, you'll be fulfilled. If you, it says if you can have this, you'll be fulfilled. And yet we're left wanting. There's promises made to us and we're left wanting. It's kind of made me think of a couple years ago, right around this time, actually, next week will be the anniversary. A couple years ago, there was the most amazing experiment of the millennial generation that you could ever imagine called the Fire Festival. And maybe some of you know about this. Maybe some of you bought tickets to it. I don't know. But this was one of the ads. It was supposed to be the music festival to end all music festivals. They bought an island that supposedly Pablo Escobar used to own. It's supposed to be this amazing festival. Thousands of dollars to get a ticket. This was the advertisement. Come seek for searching is the foundation of fortune. And, And this is what the ad said. Here's what you get. You get this villa. Here's where you will stay. Isn't it amazing? Don't you want to sign up? And here's the real pictures of what people got. You can watch the documentary on Netflix or Hulu that talks all about this. It was, it was co-founder was Ja Rule. So I mean, you're getting, you're getting what you're getting, right? I mean, every thug needs a lady. So <laughs> I've been waiting since middle school to do that. So I just, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> I got more. If you want to hear more jaw rule, we can just do that. I can close the Bible. We can just, uh, <laughs> oh man, that is what life is like though. Life is like the fire festival. There's promises made to us and yet it's left wanting. There's promises made to us with technology. There's promises made to us, maybe even of moving to Denver and yet it's left wanting. It doesn't quite fulfill. And you know what Jesus says? Jesus says life is going to be hard. Because like the fire festival, like job rule, people are going to try to use you. People are going to try to take from you. He says they're thieves and robbers. He says you're trying to find fulfillment in life. You're trying to find joy in life. You're trying to find contentment in life, peace, satisfaction. He says people will try to take from you. People will try to steal and rob from you. And life will not be what you thought it was going to be. He says this is where we find our Selves. So what's left? I mean, if you've tried everything, if you've, if you've read the books and tried the stuff and went through the relationships and it still isn't fulfilling, what's, what's left? You know what the problem is? Jesus says the problem is that we are looking for something big. We are looking for something big and looking for it in something small. We are over here looking for life and fulfillment and Jesus is saying it's over here. See, over Christmas break, the, this last uh, Christmas, my daughter, who's 10, uh, my son and my daughter, we, we, they, they had some time off, so we took some time with them, and, and uh, the zoo had a free day, so we went to the zoo, 
And any of the museums around here are crazy on free days. The, I mean, wanted to lock up some kids with the giraffes at least. Uh, but it was crazy. I mean, we went to the zoo. And it was a fun time. We went to this Groupon for this other place that you can like pet stingrays and, and pet sloths and all sorts of fun stuff. And, and we took them skiing for the first time. And it was great. And we had donuts and ice cream. And it was a blast. And at the end, I asked my, I asked my daughter, what, what, was your, what was your favorite thing that we did over Christmas break? You know what she said? She said, going to Office Max. <laughs> and I was like, wow, okay. This is either really lame or this is going to save me a lot of money. Like, honey, I will pay for your wedding reception. It's going to be at Office Max. And, uh, and so that, that could be an illustration of childhood contentment, maybe. But, but as I was thinking about it today and, and looking at this passage, what I'm thinking about is this. We are content. So often in Office Max, living our lives, living our lives and being like, yeah, there's paper. Ain't nobody got chairs like this. This, this is amazing, you know? And we're, we're living our lives content with Office Max. And Jesus is saying, I want so much more for you than that. C.S. Lewis, the great British professor at Oxford and, and author, he said that it's often like we're little kids playing in the mud, thinking life is great. When we have no idea what a vacation at sea or a holiday, because he's British, a holiday at sea would look like. See, that's often what is true in our lives. Even if you don't feel that life has stolen from you, even if you don't feel the unfulfillment, maybe you think life is great at Office Max. And Jesus is saying, I have more for you. I've got more than you even know. Here's what Jesus is saying. Listen, Jesus looks into your heart and he says, I know about you. I know about you. I see your pain. I see your longing. I see your restlessness. I see the anxiety. I see the loneliness. I see the shame. And I want something more for you than that. Jesus says, I know you're searching and I actually came to bring life. Everything in your, listen to me, everything in your life is designed to lead you to him. The good things and the bad things. The good things designed to lead you to him because you say, this is so good. There must be a good God that loves and cares for me. And the hard things designed in your life to say, man, is there something more? Everything in our life is designed to lead us to Jesus who says, I came to bring life and life in abundance. I came, the desire that you have in your heart for life, I put it there. And I want life for you. I want abundance for you. Jesus uses this image. He says that he is the gate. It's an interesting image to think about. He says, I'm the gate. Which if you think about that image, here's what it says. It says, we're on the outside. You ever feel like that? That you're on the outside looking for what's beyond the gate. Looking, feeling that we're outside and there's more that's over there that we can't get to. And we feel that a lot. Man, there's more just beyond that I can see, I can taste almost, I can envision it in my mind, but I can't get to it. You see, the best stuff, the best stuff in life is usually behind a gate. If you think about maybe in your childhood at some point, or maybe even recently, you went to Disneyland. And if you ever remember, we got a woo for Disneyland. Uh, if, 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 you ever, if you ever stood in line, they, Disneyland, you know, they're geniuses and they have the gates closed. 
because they want to build suspense and all the crazy kids in line are out here and they can see, they can hear the music, they can see sometimes even the characters, they can smell the, the $13, you know, churros or whatever that are behind there. They, they, you, can, you can feel there's something beyond the gate. There's something beyond the gate and I'm on the outside and I hope I can get to it. See, we feel like that sometimes in life, that joy it's right over there, but we're blocked from it. It's within our grasp, but it's not quite there. And I don't know what you think maybe the gate is for you. That maybe if I can get that relationship, I'll enter into life. Maybe if I can get that promotion or a little bit more money, then that's the gate that will lead me into the joy and fulfillment I want. Maybe it's a house, or maybe it's kids, or Maybe it's just getting a little bit older or getting a little bit more stable in life or maybe it's moving or getting a different job or, or something that you say, this is the gate. And if I can get through that, that gives me access to the life that I desire. And you know what Jesus says? He says, I'm the gate. You want life. You need a gate. But it's not through any of those gates. Jesus says, it's through me. I open up to you the life that you were designed for, the life that you were made for. I open up to you the joy that you know is available to you, that you can sense and feel and taste. It is there, but I'm the gate, Jesus says. See what this means? What this means is that Jesus wants something for you, not from you. That Jesus wants to give you something. He wants you to experience life and life to the full. This is what Jesus says. So how does he, how does he bring this to us? If, if this is what he offers is life beyond the gate, life to the full, joy, everything we were made for, then how does he bring this life? How can we actually have this? And, and then Jesus switches the metaphor. He first says, we're sheep and he's a gate. Now he says, we're sheep and he's a shepherd. And here's what Jesus says. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he's not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Here's, here's what Jesus says of how he brings us this life. He says, picture a sheep. Picture a sheep, picture a bunch of sheep and, and they're out there and they're just kind of doing what sheep do. They're just enjoying life and baying and, and what, I don't know if that's a verb, but that's what they're doing, right? And then a wolf comes. And I was going to show you some pictures because there was some online of wolf that had devoured sheep and they're all bloody and a mess, but I see some kids here, so I'm glad I didn't do that. Um, but a wolf, I mean, he says, picture some sheep and a wolf comes and just, he comes and he's running and a guy is there and a guy is working there and he's just hired. They're not really his sheep. He's just making minimum wage and, and he sees a wolf coming 
And what does he do? He runs. He takes off. It's probably what most of us would do if we saw a wolf coming. He runs. And he looks behind him and he sees red and wool just all over the place. And he just keeps going. Jesus says, that's what people do that don't really care about the sheep. But Jesus says, I'm a shepherd, a good shepherd. And he says, a shepherd stays. A shepherd stays. Now, this is actually a strange story. And I've never actually thought about this until this week when I was thinking through this sermon You see, we hear Jesus say that a good shepherd stays and sacrifices his life for the sheep. But what? Have you ever seen a shepherd sacrifice his life for sheep? I googled it. I looked. I I put shepherd sacrifices his life for sheep. Or if you put in like man saves or man dies saving, dog is on there a lot. Children are on there a lot. But there's, there's not a man saves and dies saving sheep or man sacrifices for sheep. It's actually a strange story. The, the closest I could find, there was, there was this. This was just happened a few days ago. Man climbs cliff to rescue sheep, only to be told it was a terrible idea. I love this picture. You can kind of see the sheep is like, let go of me, bro. But, But here's what they said. It said, the Coast Guard said it could have ended so differently. Putting yourself in danger is never a good idea. Like, nobody expects this. And the the second closest thing was this. Man saves unicorn sheep. It had one horn with with, uh, two cases of beer. So the the owners of this sheep were going to kill it. And the dude was like, I'll trade you two cases of beer for that sheep. It's Australia. So that's, uh, I mean, maybe that helps you a little more understand. This is just, again, a few days ago. That is the closest I could find of man saves sheep, of man sacrifices. For sh- I, I will give up, you know, my beer for this sheep. That's the closest I could find. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. But you know what Jesus is doing? He's redefining goodness. He's telling us that he is so much better than we even imagine. He's telling us you might have an image of what good is. You might even have an image of what a good shepherd is, of someone that loves and cares and says, these belong to me. But he says, I am so much better than you can even fathom. Yeah, I'm a good shepherd, but I'm a shepherd that lays down my life for the sheep, that I will be torn apart for you, that I see the wolf coming, and I will sacrifice my life for you. I will be ripped limb from limb for you. I will bleed and be tortured for you. I will give my life so that you may be saved. That's what what goodness means. That's the kind of shepherd that I am. See, we know, listen, we know. You know, if you've ever watched any movie or ever read any great literature, sacrifice is the greatest form of love. Someone writes you a love note, you say, thank you, I really appreciate that, that touched me. But in the greatest movies, Love is always displayed as sacrifice. Sometimes it's sacrifice. Someone's willing to sacrifice their reputation for someone else. Sometimes it's a valiant mother that's willing to sacrifice things for her children. Sometimes it's someone that's willing to be lied about to save somebody. Or many times, it's the hero, the loving father, the loving mother, the loving soldier, the rock, whoever it is that says, I'll lay down my life to save you. See, we know that sacrifice is the greatest form of love. 
that to lay down one's life is the greatest form of love. But here's what's interesting. No other religion even claims this. No other religion even claims that their God sacrificed himself to save us. Most of the world's religions have sacrifice as a part of them. That something is sacrificed to appease God. You see, if you want life, if you want life in any version, whether it's a secular version or a religious version, if you want life, you have to sacrifice for it. If you want whatever's beyond the gate, man, if, if you want to be a millionaire, you got to sacrifice time and probably relationships. If you want a home and, and that's what life is to you, you've got to sacrifice for it. Anything that we want in life that brings us life and joy and fulfillment, you have to sacrifice for it. And in the religious versions, if you want God's favor, if you want God's pleasure, if you want God's blessing, you have to sacrifice for it. In the olden days, animal sacrifices, human sacrifices, more often today, it's that we might even make a vow to God and say, I promise I'll do this and all. We have to sacrifice. Only with Jesus does he say, I actually sacrifice myself for you. I actually graciously give myself to you. So you want life? Take sacrifice. And Jesus says, I will sacrifice for you. Grace. This is why he says, I'm the good shepherd, but I'm a shepherd different than you even know, than you can even think of what a good shepherd is. But Jesus says, this isn't just a story. It's not just the image of of this shepherd in the, in the metaphor, Jesus says, I'm that person. He says, I have come to lay down my life. I have come. And it's weird language. Like, have you ever talked? I mean, if Jesus is saying, I have come, he's saying, I wasn't just born. It wasn't, I came here. Like, if you have a baby, and when they start to talk, instead of mama or dada, they say, I have come. So that then, or even if it's not in a freaky, if they just say, I have come. So that, I mean, what, I guess both are freaky, right? But if a child says, I have come, that should freak you out. But Jesus is saying, look, yeah, I was born here as a human, but I came. I am God that entered into this world and I have come. So that I would lay down my life, be torn apart for you, to die in your place and give you the life that only I can give. This is what Jesus says, that he came to die instead of us. You see, the wolves of sin, the wolves of a broken world, the wolves of death come to tear us apart. Our own sin should bring death to us. Our own sin. And listen, I don't know what you hear when you hear sin. Maybe when you think about sin, you think about all this horrible, evil stuff that, that, you know, political people do or that people on the news do or that, that you go, that's, that's sin. I'm a good person. I'm trying to live a good life. But when the Bible defines sin, it includes that. But you know, what it, you know what it talks about so much? Looking for life. Looking for life in other things. Trusting in other things as the gate that bring us life. And Jesus says, our sin should tear us apart. But instead, I'll die on the cross in your place for your sin. Why? He says, as a good shepherd, because I care for my sheep. I love my sheep. Listen, Jesus says, I love you. 
I care for you. I know you. He says, I own you. You're mine. So of course I would lay down my life for you. This is what Jesus says that he came to do. Because he lays down his life, we can be forgiven. We can be cleaned. And because he's alive, he says he, says he lays down his life and he has the authority to take it up again. That's the resurrection. He says, I lay down my life, but because Jesus is alive today, you know what that means for you? It means you can experience freedom. You don't have to be on the outside of the gate because he is alive. You can be free because he's alive. You can listen to his voice today because he's alive. You don't have to be alone in your searching for fulfillment in your longings because he's alive. He's present. He's with you because he's alive. You can be accepted into a family. This is what Jesus says that he does. So how do we experience that? How do we experience the life Jesus offers? What does it mean for us? And you know what happened as Jesus taught this? Maybe what's happening today in this room. You know what happened? Jesus laid this out. He said, I'm the gate and I want life for you and I'm the shepherd and I die for you and I bring you life through my death and resurrection. You know what happened? Here's what happened. It said again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these aren't the words of someone who's demon possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? See, when Jesus spoke these things, there was division. Some people believed, some people didn't. Rightfully so. Right? I mean, if you talk to somebody on the street and they walk up to you and they say, I'm a gate. Like, you should not go, oh yeah, bro, I can see that. You, you should be a little questioning if someone says they're a gate. Or if someone says, I came. Or if someone says, I have authority to lay my life down and bring it up again. That, that shouldn't just go, oh yeah, I believe that, of course. See, people were divided. Some said, this person is demonic. Because the things that he's saying, I mean, if we had people in our life say this, you would go, you are one odd dude. You wouldn't just go, man, I'm going to worship you. Some thought he was crazy. Some thought he had a demon. It said, but some, some heard his words. Some heard his words and said, <laughs> some heard his words and said, are these the words of a crazy person? Are these the words of somebody who has a demon? You see, what drew people to Jesus was two things that it says. His words. The message was different. If you hear people talk that, that lead cults, or you hear people talk that are crazy, you know what they usually sound like? Jaw rule. No, I'm just kidding. You know what they, you know what they usually sound like? They sound self-centered. They talk about themselves and how they want you to do something for them and how they want you to sacrifice for them and bring something to them. But when people heard the words of Jesus, they said, this doesn't sound crazy. He's saying he is going to give us something. He's saying he wants joy and life for us. He's saying he wants to lay down. He's saying he cares about us. He's saying he wants to protect us. He's saying... 
See, this is the gospel, the good news. The good news is that we can't save ourselves, but God has come to save us in Jesus. That God doesn't demand something from us, but wants something for us that he gives freely. Some people heard the words and said, maybe, just maybe, he is who he says he is. Let me ask you, what, as you even hear, these are the words of Jesus. When you hear this, what happens in your heart? Maybe some of you say, that's crazy. Maybe some of you say, ah, the Bible, you know, it's just kind of junk. Or, but maybe, even now, in some of your hearts, when you hear this, you say, is that what a crazy person would say? And then it says it was his words and his works, the actions that he did. It says, can, can somebody that is crazy or that has a demon heal the blind, which was something Jesus had just, just done recently. He had opened somebody's eyes that were blind. And Jesus was always doing these miracles. But you know what the greatest miracle Jesus did that we can look at and say, maybe his words show him to be who he says he is. And maybe his works show him to be who he says he is. You know what we can see? The resurrection. That's the greatest work that Jesus did. The greatest miracle that Jesus did was to defeat death, to die on the cross, to be buried, and to rise again. And I know that's hard to believe. I know it's hard to say, man, you know, how, how can we even know if, if that's true? And listen, there's great resources out there that I would encourage you to look at, to check out. But let me just give you this one little thing. Christianity boomed and exploded. It was just this small group of people and then exploded. Why? See, when historians look at Christianity and how it got started, they have a curiosity of how did this happen? And even those that are not Christians, even those that do not believe it, you know what they say? They say, they must have believed it. Because here's what's different about Christianity. Here's what's so different from every other religion. Go, go Google it. Go check it out. I'm not asking you to just take my word for it. Every other religion says, here's what our religion's about. Our teacher has a great teaching that you should listen to, and it will help you live your life. Whether that's Muhammad or Confucius or Buddha or whoever it might be, every religion says this. Our teacher, our founder has great teaching. You should listen to it, and it will help you. You know what Christianity says? Here's what the basis of it is. Jesus died and resurrected. And if that's true, follow him. But see, you can follow Buddha whether he's dead or alive. It doesn't matter. It's based on his teaching. And you can follow Muhammad whether he's dead or alive. It's based on his teaching. And you can follow Confucius whether he's dead or alive. It's based on his teaching. But only Christianity actually puts itself out there and says, you can prove this completely wrong. It's based on the fact that Jesus died and resurrected. And if it's false, Paul says, if that's not true, we're a bunch of suckers. People look at, how did Christianity get started? How did it boom? How did it explode? They believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Maybe you have an explanation for that, but I would encourage you to look at it and see how did these people change? How did a bunch of Jews go from worshiping at the temple to worshiping Jesus, from, from thinking there was only God the Father to thinking this man is God. 
How could such radical change take place? Something has to explain it. And if you're not a Christian, I would encourage you. Don't just, don't just write it off. Investigate. Explore. So let me close with this. If this is true, if Jesus rose from the dead, if he says he's the gate, if he's the good shepherd, here's what this means. That's not a casual fact. It's not a fact that we just go, yeah, okay, I, I believe it. It's not a casual fact that you can just say, yeah, I like, I like uh, salami and you know, I, I, like, uh, I like Taylor Swift and Jesus rose from the dead. Like it's, it's not a casual fact. If it's true, it's a fact that reorients everything. It's a fact that everything has to change for. It's a fact that redefines our life. So here's what I want to just say to two different groups of people. If you're not a Christian, investigate the claims of Jesus. Listen to me. Your questions are valid. Your suspicions are valid. Investigate. Explore. You know what Jesus says? He wants you. He says he has other people that are not of this fold that he must bring in. He's talking about you. He says he wants you. Maybe you struggle to believe that. Maybe you say, I, I haven't been wanted by other people. And, you know, Christianity is, I was talking to somebody this week that, that said that, man, I feel like faith was just a brainwashing thing and, and it was harmful and, and I've lost my faith. And maybe you have felt like that. And maybe you have felt unwanted even by religion or the church. And Jesus says, I want you. In fact, he says, I must have you. But maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you're new here today. You know what Jesus says? He says he wants for you to have one flock and one shepherd. Because it's easy to say, I believe in Jesus. It's easy to say, I believe he's a good shepherd. I believe he's the gate. And yet to go it alone in your life. To not have the flock. See, Jesus doesn't just say, I want you, and that's it. He says, I want you to be in my flock. I want a family for you. I want a community for you. I want you to experience my people together. One flock, one shepherd. See, you might be a Christian, but you are living your life by yourself. I'm glad you're here. It's Easter. We love having a big party and celebrating with people from all over our city. But listen to me. If you are a Christian, if you say, I believe this, but it's not redefining your life. And what I say almost sounds weird. Like, I'm a Christian, but I don't experience the life you're talking about. I'm still anxious, lonely, stressed. Maybe it's because you're missing out on what Jesus says he actually wants for you, which is one flock, one shepherd, you cannot fully experience the life that he has for you by yourself. He wants more for you. And I would encourage you to take those things seriously, to say, Jesus, I want what you bring to me. We all long for life. We all long for fulfillment. We all long for the power of Easter that drew you here today to be a part of our life all the time. What Jesus is saying is you don't have to fight for it by yourself. You don't have to fight for it by yourself. He came to bring it. He's the shepherd. And his point that he, he gives to us is listen to my voice. Listen to my voice. I'm your shepherd. We're going we're gonna to sing. 
We're going to sing a few songs to celebrate Jesus, and we're going to take communion to remember his body broken for us and his blood shed for us. And and there's some people that are going to get baptized celebrating the life that Jesus has given. So would you pray with me as we end our time? Jesus, I thank you that you want life for us. I thank you that, that you know and see everything in us. You see the pain that we feel. You see the longings unfulfilled that we have. You see that, God. And you say that you come to bring us more than we can even imagine, that you are a good shepherd that brings life. Pray that you would help us even as we sing and even as we take communion, as we have a party to celebrate and we we see people get baptized. God, that you would stir in our hearts how good you are. We would see you and know you and begin to experience at a more deeper level the life that you have for us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.